News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights here, Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care. And Cooper, you are um, you're a little down today because unfortunately we lost Glenn Campbell this week. We did lose Glenn Campbell this week. And that's, um, you know, most of us knew that was coming at some point. He had been uh, incredibly forthright and open, both he and his family, about the experiences they were having and his journey um, as he dealt with life and Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and even performed, went on tour while he had Alzheimer's. And so I uh, I think we should applaud his his courage and his bravery and, and that of his family as well. And it seems most appropriate this week uh, that on the heels of uh, Glenn Campbell's passing, that we have the Alzheimer's Association, Eastern North Carolina chapter with us today. And we're very privileged to have Lisa Roberts, the executive director of the Alzheimer's Association here, and Peggy Best, who's the associate director who focuses on programs and outreach uh, and, and we've had the privilege, both Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights has had the privilege of working uh, with both Peggy and Lisa uh, last year and this year on an upcoming uh, caregiver summit, the one that's coming up this month in Chapel Hill. So uh, it's, it's, nigh on, it's nigh on us. It's getting close. Sure is. I think a little under a couple of weeks. Just very near, and we do encourage people to, uh, we'll talk more about this later in the show, but we do encourage folks, if you've been putting off signing up, pl- please don't put off anymore. We're, it, things are, are filling up, and we want to be sure that there's space for you. So we want to welcome uh, Lisa and Peggy to the show, and thank you for coming on today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. So, you know, Peggy, you know, speaking of Glenn Campbell, you know, I think a lot of people listening to the show often wonder, you know, if perhaps they are showing signs themselves. Alzheimer's disease is gaining a lot more attention out there in the media with a lot of folks aging and now coming down with the disease and actually being a lot more open about it where years ago there was such a stigma. And I still think there is, but I think with some of our celebrities out there being willing to say that it's impacting them or someone in their families, I think it's making it a lot more um I don't know, easier to talk about for for lack of a better way of saying it and becoming a little bit more mainstream. So I think one of the big questions that people often have is, you know, I'm getting older. I feel like I'm more forgetful. Oh, my gosh, is it coming for me now? How do we know the difference between normal age related memory loss and something more concerning like Alzheimer's disease? Well, thank you, Nicole, for that uh, question. One of the things that we strongly advocate about is knowing the 10 signs. There is a difference between normal age-related changes versus what might be associated with changes associated with Alzheimer's or some form of dementia. Um, We have 10 uh, warning signs that we talk about, and I always like to let families and caregivers know that these do not happen in sequential order because we know that Alzheimer's affects people differently at different rates. And some of the signs that we can talk about right now, number one might be memory loss that disrupts daily life. So what does that look like? So one of the most common signs of Alzheimer's and memory loss is, you know, forgetting recently learned memories. Um, Others include uh, forgetting important dates or events. So a typical age-related change might be forgetting a name or an appointment, but being able to remember them later. 
What we do know with somebody with Alzheimer's or the beginning stages of Alzheimer's, if they do not remember anything in short-term memory, it is rare that they will remember it in long-term. So, for example, you know, if I might be giving a presentation at a conference and I meet somebody and you know, they come up to me a week later and say, you did a great presentation. I may not have any recollection of who they were. And that is typically me. I need to have a few impressions with an individual before I commit them to memory. That's normal versus, you know, what? Like, what? what's the difference there? How could I tell what the difference is versus maybe having a lunch with somebody and a long conversation and then, you know, the next day seeing them and not remembering them? Would that be the difference between the two? I think that it can, but one of the things to remember is stress. You know, being a busy person such as yourself or any of us that do this kind of work, stress and the amount of people that we meet sometimes doesn't trigger. But an example that I've recently had is that I talked to someone and I was trying to remember a name and it took me an hour to remember that name and I just popped it out all of a sudden. But I was able to process and realize and state I don't remember the name. So I always, for lack of a better way of putting it to shorten it, I remembered that I forgot. Caregivers themselves are dealing with a lot of stress. They're dealing with many competing and rapidly changing priorities in the course of a day. And you can get up in the morning, and this is the day in the week that I have planned for myself and my loved one. That's at 8 o'clock on Monday morning, and by 8.15, that entire plan has changed. That stress alone can cause caregivers to just have mental salad, you know, as, as they have struggles trying to put things back in place and and, and realign calendars and remember who's who, that's a different thing. And some, then the, you start thinking you have a problem, and then, then that adds anxiety on top of the stressful environment that you're already in. And so, you know, we want caregivers to understand the difference between being worn out, wrung out, if you will, and having a actual diagnosis of, of Alzheimer's or an Alzheimer's-related illness. Well, what's another example? Well, as we talked about confusion with time or place, I mean, a lot of times uh, people with Alzheimer's can lose track of dates and seasons and the passage of time. Uh, one of the things that I can talk about is seasons. Persons with dementia that I've worked with closely sometimes will dress as if it's wintertime when it's really summertime. And so the point of that is that they're not able to differentiate the differences in the seasons, the dates and times. Um they may have trouble understanding something if it is not happening immediately. So a typical age-related change where that's concerned is getting confused about the day of the week, but you're able to figure it out later. I don't know. If I'm off on a vacation for a week, I don't have no idea what day of the week it is. <laughs> so I don't know how age-related that is. I just think if you don't need to know, you don't know. <laughs> well, we get caught up in, in what is actually our measurement of time. And some days... The day of the week is a measurement of time, but other times it's what is my child's calendar, what is my loved one's medical appointments, uh, what's going on in my faith community, and those are also increments or measurements of time, and they're valid. They just don't have the days of the week names on them, mm -hmm. so it doesn't mean that people are disoriented to actually where they are in the time continuum. It does mean that they've misplaced a phrase or they're not sure where they fall on a calendar, and I think those are that's very different from being disoriented to time or place. At least I hope it is, because I've experienced it twice in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have, Peggy? 
Well, and I think it's in, uh, important to know that Alzheimer's is a brain disease, and it cause, causes a slow decline in memory, uh, thinking, and reasoning skills. And so these 10 warning signs, you know, challenges in planning or solving problems. Um, as we talked about, trouble understanding visual images and spatial relationships. Could you go back to that one? Uh, challenges in planning or solving problems. What would that look like, Peggy? Well, some people may experience changes in their ability to kind of develop and follow a plan or work with numbers. They may have trouble following a familiar recipe or keeping track of monthly bills. It's a little bit different than occasionally you forget paying a bill but you might remember that you paid a bill i've been guilty of that i think i need well. to go to the doctor pretty soon <laughs> no but but you know that, that that's a real common one i think mm-hmm. that's one of the ones where hindsight is 2020 mm-hmm. for families oftentimes it's some of these sort of insidious ones where they're not balancing their checkbook or they're paying that subscription to Good Housekeeping magazine, you know, 75 times, but they haven't paid their electric bill for four months. So I think, you know, if you have a loved one who, you know, was always very meticulous with bill keeping, which is, I think, important thing to remember. Some people just aren't good at some of these things, right? Their whole life. But if there's, but if they're, gosh knows our economy knows that. But if some people have been very meticulous and then suddenly it's a change, I think that would be a sign that something is going on. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. I mean, we've had calls from families who have actually come in and decided, well, I'm going to check mom or dad's financials. They may be listed as a power of attorney for finances and then realize all of a sudden mom or dad is writing checks for thousands and thousands of dollars that make no sense. Yeah, and that's something that you you just got to look out for. And that's so important as of a warning sign. And we're going to continue going over these signs in just a bit. Stick with us. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. This show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care. I am Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights, Cooper Linton with, Tran- with Transitions Life Care, and both Lisa Roberts and Peggy Best are here from the Alzheimer's Association Eastern North Carolina chapter. And Cooper, we're going over the, uh, the the signs, ten warning signs of Alzheimer's, and and luckily coming up with ridiculous band names is not one of them. So Nicole is, is safe, even though during the break she was telling us about uh, just a bizarre band name that she came up with. But it's okay, we we love her anyway, and and she's good. I think one of the things our listeners will appreciate most is that they don't have to listen to what goes on between segments. I I don't know if they'd be entertained or if they would just roll their be eyes. Frightening, I don't know. I think. It'd be frightening. <laughs> a lot of people. They might be horrified. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Peggy, you are going through a list of of ten warning signs that we need to look out for, and uh, and so what's next on the list? Well, and what we'll do is we'll go through some of them, and then Nicole or Cooper and even Lisa, if there's any that you want to ask about, but. Feel free to chime in. But, mm-hmm. you know, difficulty completing familiar tasks at home, at work, or at leisure. Um, you have trouble understanding visual images and spatial relationships. Uh, increased problems or new problems with words and speaking or writing. Uh, misplacing things and losing the ability to retrace the steps. That, that I'd like to highlight that sure. one a bit. You know, uh, so the, there's the difference between losing your car keys. Yes. And remembering that you lost them mm-hmm. and being able to think, where did I last use them? And then eventually finding them and then just losing your car keys and not even remembering that you lost them to begin with. Is exactly. that is that sort of the difference? And, and part of that, too, goes along with the fact, you know, if you lose your car keys, but you're able to find them, you don't remember what they're for. 
Okay. You don't remember what it used to be. So you lose the understanding of function exactly. or identity. It's a thing, but it isn't th- a thing that you associate mm-hmm. with its larger purpose or context. Exactly. I think it's very, all of us have lost our car keys. All of us, I mean, I, I'm doing a, a home remodeling project right now, and I, I, I must need 10,000 hammers because if I lay one down, I can never find it again. Mm-hmm. There's something in my house that eats hammers. Um, but... <laughs> In reality, I'll wander around and realize I laid it down because I was working on something else. But I don't lose an understanding of why it was there or why I was there. And so as we listen to this, we can all hear things that we've experienced once and then, you you know, our anxiety level goes up. But in reality, it's not just the thing. It's the understanding of the purpose, the function, the context within our life. And that's the part that if you're seeing a loved one lose that connection – it's time to ask for some assistance. Exactly. And, you know, Cooper, listening to how you were explaining about what you do at home with the hammers, you are actually able to voice and put into perspective that you realize and can voice, I know that I've misplaced them. I know what it's used for. I know that I might have 20 or so hammers <laughs> getting to replace. A person with Alzheimer's is not able to figure out that, not able to do the process about figuring it out. I'd like to go back to to the uh, new problems with words and speaking mm-hmm. and writing. You know, um, gosh, I know sometimes, I know no one can believe it hearing the show, but sometimes I can get into a bit of a tizzy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, now. <laughs> and especially with children, right? You have sure. three kids running around and lots going on. And I will call every single child, a different child. I will go through a list of every animal I had, every child I've had, <laughs> you know. And finally, I'll get to that right name. I mean, is that what you're talking about with difficulties speaking or is it more of uh, what I'm envisioning more of is, you know, I need to get a spoon for my soup and I call a spoon a knife, something yeah. like that. I mean, which which is it? How does that go? I think it's more along the line of what you said at the end about mm-hmm. the knife. There are some people with dementia that refer to a watch as a hand clock. Mm-hmm. They may be in the middle of the conversation and then drop in the middle of the conversation what they're talking about. And when I've had to try to coach people that I've worked with with dementia about where they were in the conversation, they may say something to me like, oh, well, you know. And then I know that there's no point in pursuing that uh, streamline of conversation because they are not going to know. And I think it also happens with reading as well. I mean, I've worked with several uh, Alzheimer's or dementia patients, mm-hmm. and you know they may have a book or a magazine in front of them, or even the front page of the newspaper, and they are on that page for hours, and they're reading it, but they get halfway through, and then they forget they read it, and then they read it from the beginning again. Mm-hmm. And I think that also, you know, if you have a family member who's an avid reader and they're just sort of not moving along in the book or if they can't recall what they read, mm-hmm. I think that probably would be a warning sign as well related exactly. to this. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between being able to articulate the words on the page. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to this concept of context, of purpose, of understanding something within its larger scope in your life. And that's where those breakdowns begin to happen. And that also circles back to the components of planning. Mm -hmm. If I don't understand really what a checkbook is, I'm probably not going to be very effective in using it to pay my bills. Exactly. Well, and you know, a couple of the other signs is withdrawal from work or social activities, but also changes in mood and personality. 
And we know that mood and personality are part of how we're all made up. But one of the things I like to let people know from my perspective and where I've come from with my work is Alzheimer's is not a personality disorder. It is not a mental health illness. It is an actual organic brain disease, but it may exhibit itself through behavioral symptoms. And they can't help it. Exactly. That's the thing. A person's not doing these things to annoy you. It's Mm -hmm. literally there is a change in their brain and they literally can't help it. Exactly. And I think one of the ones um, that I'd love for you to touch on a little bit more is the decreased judgment. I mean, I can give an example of somebody that I was working with one time who lived in a long-term care community, and he was taking a taxi. Now, he wasn't far enough along where you thought, well, why would he ever be in a taxi? He, (laughs) you know, we thought he was pretty much okay. But then one day, and he went out every day to go on errands and whatnot. One day, he literally handed the taxi cab driver his entire wallet when it was time to pay the fare and said, take what you need, Mm. because he couldn't figure out how to make the right amount of money that he owed. And so um, I think, you know, that's an example of, you know, slowly creeping Mm -hmm. in as poor judgment. And that's a lot of ways, a lot of older adults get taken advantage of and scammed, you know, when people realize that there's some issues going on there and lose their entire life savings. You're exactly right. And when you talk about decreased or poor judgment, probably one of the most often asked questions to our 24-7 helpline and to us is with driving that is probably one of the most important areas to understand with a person with dementia with having decreased in poor judgment. Oftentimes we'll ask families, are there any dings in the car? Would you ride with them? You know, um, we had one gentleman who actually called. He said, the only way I could get my dad to stop driving is, would you want to be responsible if you got into an accident and killed your granddaughter? And so sometimes you can bring it to that forefront and understand, but that's why we always advocate early detection. Well, we're such a nation of independence. Mm -hmm. You know, we value our independence. We talk about that. We look at that as one of the key components of how to age well is to plan for your retirement, be independent. And yet the reality of brain disease is that it not only erodes who this person is, but it pulls the independence away from them and therefore transfers dependence mm-hmm. onto that caregiver. Yeah. And these caregivers are carrying an enormous amount of weight and stress exactly. uh, in this process. And so our hope is that by going through these items, we're not mounding that weight up on our listeners, but rather helping them recognize, one, there are things that are going on that may not just be normal aging. Mm-hmm. And then shortly in this show, we're going to have a discussion about some resources. Uh, and Because we don't want to just say, yes, congratulations, you've identified you have a problem. There are things you can do. There is help you can get. You are not alone in this journey. Yeah, and there's a, a very simple way that you can uh, get access to some of this information and, and speak with someone, and we will get to that in just a bit. We're speaking with Peggy Best and also Lisa Roberts. We're, we're going to have to get Lisa on the mic here soon because we've paid her this big appearance fee, and we, we haven't heard from her yet. But they're, they're both with the Alzheimer's Association of Eastern North Carolina, and we'll continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. I'm Jason Kong, Cooper Linton, alongside with Nicole Bruno, and our guests this evening are... 
Peggy Best and Lisa Roberts of the Alzheimer's Association of Eastern North Carolina. And we've talked about ways that you can uh, potentially identify Alzheimer's. And Cooper, we need to get into some of the, the resources available to people as well. And, you know, uh, it's, it's also important that we don't jump the gun, you know, just because you forget one little thing uh, that that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you, you have a diagnosis. Right. And, and, and let's be cautious. We don't start self-diagnosing or diagnosing our loved ones. You know, the, the, this is a medical science for a reason. Um, and thankfully, we live in a part of the United States with incredible access to medical resources. And there are several health systems here who do an incredible job of being able to diagnose and really a focus in on what are the issues because not everything that has a cognitive impact is Alzheimer's or an Alzheimer's-related illness. There are other things which have cognitive impacts and that are treatable, that are reversible, and they may not be at all related to dementia. The brain is incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we encourage folks to don't listen to these 10 symptoms and then rush out on their own without getting professional advice. Exactly. Do take these 10, 10 steps or these 10 indicators and use them as a prompt, as a nudge to say, you know, it won't hurt a bit for me to go get a professional opinion for us to talk about this with a physician, to open this discussion, to do it in a judgment-free way, because the reality is we're dealing with an organ issue here. This isn't, you know, poor character. These are not issues of poor ethics of somebody or what we're dealing with are, are brain functions, organ functions, and go talk to your physician. Uh, make an appointment and get professional assistance because there are things that can be done, even with early detection, Peggy. I mean, you were talking earlier that it's not just about the right diagnosis, but if we get early diagnosis for any of these diseases, we can do a better job. Exactly. I think it's really important, like what to piggyback on what you were saying, don't just assume because you're having memory loss changes that automatically you have dementia. We uh, strongly advocate early detection because of there there are reversible, uh, what we call reversible dementias. You know, depression sometimes can mimic depression or a dementia. Uh, it could be associated with infections. We do know that there's cardiovascular uh Uh, complications that can mimic um, dementia. Uh, My experience has been in intensive care cardiology where someone came in with a heart blockage and we know that blood needs to pump from the heart to the brain. And once that blockage was cleared up, a lot of times our patients dementia disappeared if it continued after it afterwards, then we made sure we referred them to someone who had experience evaluating and assessing for dementia. Well, in a, in a nation with the number of medications, where we prescribe the number of medications that we do, and we continue to deal with what we call polypharmacy issues in our older population, these medications alone can mm-hmm. unintentionally have a consequence of altering someone's cognitive status. Mm-hmm. And the person right next to them who's taken the same medication may not experience that. And so, again, seeking out professional assistance is critical to this because mm-hmm. There really is a lot we can do. Exactly. What are some resources that we can we can get into? Because you know, part of this is talking about identifying the needs, seeking help. What does that help look like? Where do I go get it? Well, you can come to the Alzheimer's Association. We're here to help. Um, the first, and I would say, fantastic resource that we have is we have 
licensed master's level clinicians who are on the ready 24-7 at our 800 number. They can call anytime, holidays, weekends, 3 o'clock in the morning. If you need assistance of any kind, whether it's information on referral, whether it's what to do with a loved one, um, I'm seeing some behaviors. I'm not really sure how to communicate to my loved one or my family is in denial. What should I do? Those are all scenarios that we have um, not just Peggy and her program staff, but also we have colleagues who can answer that call 24-7. What is that number? That number is 1-800-272-3900. So that number is a 24-7 helpline. And it's accessible, it's free, and anyone can use it in North Carolina and all across the nation. You know, your website in itself is a huge resource. And, you know, I do quite a lot of um, just general dementia training out in the community. Mm-hmm. And people go to all kinds of crazy websites to get information. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of scary because, sure. you know, once one family caregiver has an experience with one loved one with dementia, they feel like they are potentially the expert on everything right. dementia. And you need to be really careful with whose advice you take because what worked for one may not work for someone else. Absolutely. And so there are very few websites that I actually give out. And the Alzheimer's Association's website is one that I do because you've really vetted all of that information on there. Talk to us a little bit about the types of resources that folks can find on that website. That's a great, uh, thank you for that, Nicole, because my family, um, that's what we use. We found the Alzheimer's Association. I have a Unfortunately, I lost my mom to Alzheimer's-related disorder. Um, We were all on our phones trying to Google Mm -hmm. what is amyloid plaque, what is this, what is that, and we found the Alzheimer's Association Mm -hmm. that way. So personally, I can tell you that there was such a wealth of information at that website about support groups and education programs and um, what is dementia? What is Alzheimer's? Um, people use them interchangeably. And uh, dementia is just that umbrella term. And there are several types of dementia. Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia. So we have a lot of online tools. We have a whole social media network, which people can, you know, they may not want to feel comfortable going to a support group. Mm-hmm. They may feel comfortable. A virtual one might be better. That's yeah. right. A virtual one in the comfort of their own home um, that is even monitored. I was going to say, that's, you know, as a social worker, also, and I know I'm sure Peggy, you know, sometimes people get really low when dealing with sure. dementia or the person themselves. And so, yeah, I'm glad to hear that it's monitored in case there's somebody that really seems very depressed. Absolutely. Or absolutely. So there's a whole community called All's Connected that if you go to our website, alz.org slash NC, you'll be able to um, basically access that and see. There are online caregiver tools. There are downloadable documents that you can take to the doctor um, if you are a caregiver. And especially if you're dealing with family, we're dealing with a family right now who's dealing with this. Some of the family members are in denial. So how do you have those conversations? Exactly. And there's a wonderful education program called Dementia Conversations. Mm -hmm. So you can start to understand how to have those conversations. When should they stop driving? What techniques should they be using? Um, So there's a wealth of information. And again, I would point people to our website and our 800 number um, for that. And what I was going to say, too, is, you know, whether you're just getting into this and just need basic information or whether you are a seasoned professional who um, really feels like you know a lot of information, Mm -hmm. 
you can really have information all the way up to whatever level you're at. Absolutely. I mean, researchers, and it's it's just extremely robust, but it's also broken down in such a way that if you're a family caregiver, you don't feel overwhelmed. Absolutely. At and that's, that's why, been my experience. And, so. and you're so right, Nicole, because as a caregiver, you, by nature, you take care of everyone else except yourself. So caregivers need that special target. And we have a caregiver center that is literally at the website that is strictly written for caregivers and has a one-stop shop for all of their tools and resources. And it's available 24-7, which is critical because so many of our caregivers, and we can tell this from the activities on our websites, Mm -hmm. are seeking resources at 1.30 and 2 in the morning Sure, because, you know what, it's finally quiet in their life, right? at least for a little while. And if you don't have a computer, that's there's no stopping that. So you can use the 1-800 number. We will have um, materials sent to you. Um, they can call and talk and basically have that connection that you might need that you can only get over the phone because you may, I mean, North Carolina is a very rural uh, state. So you have situations where people don't have computer access, but they can always get to a phone most likely. Yeah, and that phone number again is one 800 Two seven two three nine zero zero again one eight hundred two seven two three nine zero zero. Our guests this evening are Peggy Best and Lisa Roberts of the Alzheimer's Association's Eastern North Carolina chapter, and we will continue our conversation with them in just a bit. We're going to be talking about some events that are going on near you that are free to attend and are very informative. Stick around; you're going to want to hear about that. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton alongside me. And uh, going the distance, this show, we've got Lisa Roberts, and Peggy Best with the Alzheimer's Association's Eastern North Carolina chapter. And guys, we're, uh, we're, we've had a really interesting discussion today on some warning signs, some resources available to people. And uh, there's actually some programs available as well that people can uh, check out and get more information. This is interesting. Lisa, tell us, tell us what we can do. Sure. Well, here locally, we're really excited because next week actually is part of the continued series, a, deme- a dementia care series at the Wake Forest Renaissance Center. And that will be on effective communication strategies. So a lot of what we've talked about today is, you know, how do you handle that? How do you deal with a loved one? When to have the discussions? What are some effective ways as caregivers you can talk to your loved one who is experiencing symptoms of Alzheimer's or related dementia? Upcoming also on September 21st is understanding and responding to dementia-related behaviors. So as Peggy talked about, some of the signs, if you will, and the know the 10 signs, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. So how do we handle that? What is the best method that we can care for our loved one as well as really understand how to communicate effectively as well as what are these behaviors that you know, these symptoms cause. So um, we'd ask you to come out. The, all of the workshops are free, but pre-registration is required. 
So, so I um, think it's important for people to note, you know, not only is the Alzheimer's Association this huge national powerhouse with mm-hmm. robust resources online, you're here locally to serve the caregivers here in our community. Absolutely. And your chapter serves how many the counties? 51 counties in eastern North Carolina. Okay. And our sister chapter, the Western Carolina chapter, serves the other 49. So we've literally split the middle of the state. Mm. And uh, we are here to serve, and we're here 24-7. So... Um, our main office is in the Raleigh uh, office, in Raleigh area, but we serve the 51 counties. So um, we welcome people reaching out to us and calling us. I don't know. Cooper and I are extremely excited to partner again this year for the upcoming Caregiver Summit in Chapel Hill. Uh, that's going to be on August 22nd. And I know, gosh, I mean, Peggy has just done a phenomenal job really wrangling up all of our speakers and getting our program put together for that event. So I thought, Peggy, if you might like to just highlight some of the upcoming sessions that are going to be available for folks. And, you know, registration is still going really strong. We have more people coming this year than we did last, but we really encourage you to pre-register for this event. Um, And we're going to be closing registration pretty soon. So folks need to go online to do that at caregiverssummit.org. And it's going to be on August 22nd at the Friday Center in Chapel Hill. And it's a $15 registration. That is for the entire day. That includes covering your lunch. Um, that is covers a massage if that's what you want. The health screening clinics, if you want to go to that, all day of education. So uh, it, it's set up to be a bargain. The question is, you know, how do you do that for fifteen dollars? We don't. Um, <laughs> that's the simple answer. We have uh, vendors and sponsors that really uh, supplement the fees for this to make it accessible to everyone. Uh, So please, I want to echo Nicole's voice, sign up now. And some of the sessions that we have going on for the Caregiver Summit, our opening session will be the live story, Walking in the Way of the Storyteller. We're very fortunate to have Rich Gwaltney from Transitions Life Care, who's going to be talking about this with over 25 years of experience. But some of the other areas or sessions that we're going to be having is enhancing quality of life for persons with dementia and their care partners through activity, mindful care for the caregiver, nourish the gut, nourish the brain. From worry to wisdom, housing options for older adults, arts and inclusion, the Reflections program at the Nasher Museum, and helping patients achieve end-of-life wishes. So, you know, I, you know, this emphasis of the show had to do with Alzheimer's and related dementia, but I think it's also important to note by hearing those session topics, this conference is not just for family members caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's dementia. Our, our whole purpose is to reach all caregivers. So, you know, if you have a loved one with any type of chronic condition, you know, maybe Parkinson's or congestive heart failure or just generally becoming a little bit more frail as a frail elder, this is a place for you. Not only, you know, we live in a society where we're so crisis driven. We deal and we only act when we have to. This is a great opportunity if you are a caregiver and you have a loved one who's aging and you want to just get connected to resources and th- see what's potentially on the horizon. This would be really smart to really do your homework up front and first. We often talk about there's there's two things that cause us to make mistakes in our life planning. Sometimes uh, one of them is doing things out of fear. And the second is trying to do things simply too fast. And to echo Nicole's point, if you can plan things in advance, if you can begin to set up resources and make those connections in advance, the fear factor comes down and the sense of being in a crisis that need to move too quickly 
goes down as well. And that really improves the likelihood of a better outcome for you and for your caregiver. And this is a great opportunity to do that. Um, so I, I'll get out of the way of the rest of the speakers. You know, and Jason, this was Jason's first year actually attending caregiver summits. He attended the one in Raleigh, and I know you had a great experience. It was actually really wonderful to have you there as somebody who's never walked in the road of the caregiving path. And what are some of the things that you noticed about the caregivers that were present? Oh, man, it was uh, the first thing that uh, that hit me after speaking with a couple of people is uh, one that they've, they've been to the summits before. So that these are such a valuable resource that a lot of these caregivers found the need to go back that, you know, that they're they're set up differently so that there's a reason for you to go back because there's more sessions, more resources that you can gain some knowledge from. That was the first thing that hit me. But the other thing was just how how relieved they seemed to be, how connected they felt. Uh, you know, everyone was sort of engaged with a vendor. You know, everyone there was no one there that said or that looked like, oh, I this this didn't help me out. You mm-hmm. know, there, there was a sense of relief on people. And uh, the other thing is that there's I saw a lot of caregivers that had someone with them, whether it was a family member or maybe a friend. But just just the fact that they had that support system there with them or someone to say, hey, maybe you ought to check this out. Or, you know, yeah, I know you talked to these couple of people, but this this group over here might be someone you want to talk to as well. I thought that was huge, you know, just just to have someone there to support you and to maybe direct you in a different direction because there's so much to take in. Yeah. And yeah. There's only a limited amount of time while right. you're there, but there's uh, it's, it's just a great opportunity. And, you know, um, this Chapel Hill Summit, the second time we've done it, last year was a bit of a pilot project, and it was a huge success. We completely sold out. We had standing room only, and we really had to look at how we were doing that summit this year, and we figured a way to create more space to fit more people, and we are already well above our number where we were at this time last year. So this is just... It just shows how much of a need there is out there in our community. And we do realize how difficult it is for caregivers to plan an entire day for a loved one they may be caring for. So I also wanted to talk just briefly about the fact that we do have two area adult daycare centers, which are places that folks go for the day uh, and um, receive you know, meals and social activities, that sort of thing, and then go home at night. We have two that have volunteered to accept um, individuals who may need some um, I guess, support during that day when their family members at the actual conference. And those are the Charles House Association and the Florence Solstice Gray Adult Daycare Center in um, Orange County. They have agreed that if love, if individuals needed a place to bring their loved one for the day, they need to contact those organizations in advance and make arrangements, but we've provided free respite. So, um, you know, that's a great opportunity. We're trying to make it barrier proof for folks to be able to come. We know sometimes it's real hard to schedule a bunch of people to come and help you out. But is this is so, so important for you as a caregiver to be here, if nothing else, just to feel like you are not alone. What were some of the impressions that you had, Lisa, from that first event last year? I thought it was really amazing to see how the caregiver community came out and in full force. I thought it was it was a time for them to really grasp that theme about navigating the transitions of life. I felt the the speakers and the breakout sessions, the laughter yoga was very, very popular. Um, it was a packed uh, house, actually. Um, I felt that care, it, it really signified to me how important it is for the caregivers to have an outlet. Yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, if this is an outlet that you think you can use, head on over to caregiversummit.org 
register for the Chapel Hill event. Uh, it, it's well worth it for you, and uh, we, we hope to see you out there. And please let us know. Drop us a line if you are heading out there. We'd, we'd love to stop by and say hello and uh, greet anyone that has uh, listened to the Aging Matters program. Lisa Roberts and Peggy Best of the Alzheimer's Association of Eastern North Carolina, thank you so much for your time this evening. Really appreciate having thank you on. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. We'll see you again next Saturday evening at 7 on News Radio 680 WPTF.